Um, first of all, thank you guys so much um, for letting me join you. I am um, I'm honored to be here, and uh, it really is great. Selfishly for me, it's great to be back with Ryan, um, though I will say that as one of his former teachers, it is a, is a big sadness to find out that he thinks that a pickle comes before a cucumber. I feel like somewhere in our education we missed that one for you, and I can't believe um, that we did. Um, but uh, in spite of that, I am excited to be here. He is a smart guy. We just missed that one piece of knowledge, it would appear. Um, and the, the first thing that I want you guys to, to know about me is that I am not an expert on relationships. Um, in fact, when I heard that that was the topic that I was speaking to, I thought, man, there's got to be a million other people that are better at that topic than I am. And in fact, what I did in preparation for this is I listened to every single one of the messages that Ryan's given over the past couple weeks, and I was like, holy cow, that guy knows his stuff. Um, and so I actually just wanted to give a couple of the things that I thought were really awesome that you guys have heard over the past few weeks. Um, one, I love the idea that he gave of living your relationships out in the open. Um, live your relationships in front of people. Live your relationships in community. Um, if you're ever in a relationship with any person, dating or otherwise, that drives you kind of into isolation and away from people, you need to really pause and question that relationship. I think it's a great, great piece of wisdom. Um, secondly, there's a time for everything. I've heard that kind of woven through some of the messages. Um, be patient. Uh, there's a lot of shortcuts in this life, right? There's a lot of fast food, quick answers to things in the world that we live in now, but when it comes to relationships, there is no shortcut to intimacy, and it is okay to wait and slow down and have those things come a little bit later. That is great wisdom. Um, don't build a house. Don't try to build a house out of paint. I feel like you said that one a bunch. Um, if you don't know what that means, I'm not totally sure I know what it means. Ask that guy back there. It's a really cool analogy, um, and I think he can explain it to you. It's pretty awesome. Um, honor your parents. Man, that's one that I think is so simple but can be so difficult is this is a complex issue, dating and relationships and sex and all this kind of stuff, but um, many times we kind of skip over the people who care about us the most, who have great life experience, and we, we, we don't think to ask these people who deeply care about our lives and can speak truth into them. Um, and then the last one I really loved, um, and there's a million things I love, but I just chose five. Um, I love the phrase, he said this, dating you is going to have the exact same issues as single you. Um, so actually we need to probably not be in such a hurry to jump into dating kind of relationships because a lot of times the best thing for us is to really kind of work on our relationship between us and Jesus first before we try to jump and have another person involved in all the things that we've got going on. Um, and so I would just say, man, that's wisdom. There's a part of me that thought, how about if I come and just repeat five things that he said and then be like, he's awesome. Um, but I thought, you know what? I do have something um, to offer. And I think this is why Ryan asked me to come today. And, and that is, as I was preparing for this message, I realized um, I have been in ministry to middle school and high school kids for 20 years now. Um, that makes me feel super old, okay? Um, that is two decades of watching middle school and high school students kind of try to live life, and, um, and I've observed a lot of things, and I've observed a lot of relationships, and so I realized, you know what? I think I probably can share a couple pieces of wisdom that are not from me being so good at relationships, and it's not from me knowing so much, but it's just from me watching people your age go through the process of being a middle schooler and high schooler, sometimes single, sometimes dating, and just tell you a little bit about what that looks like. So um, I'm not very good at making titles, so I, I made two titles. You can choose whichever one you want. Um, the first title is really bad. Um, here, here's what it is. Two underrated characteristics of relationship-ready people. 
That, that was what I was, I was like, that's not very good. Two underrated relationships of, of relationship ready, and <laughs> you can't even say it right. Two underrated characteristics of relationship ready people. I'll get there at some point. Um, there's these two characteristics I think are really underrated, and they help you in relationships, but really they're more important just in life, and so I'll get to those at some point. And this next one sounded more catchy, but I wasn't totally sure what it meant, um, and this one was stop looking and start running. Do you know what that means? No, no. But it's like a little bit more captivating, right? So that, one of those titles might work. Because one tells you two things I'm going to get to, and the other is like kind of confusing. But sometimes confusing is a little bit like it leads you in. So stop looking and start running. That's um, some of my advice about relationships. So what I thought I'd start with is this. Um, in all my time of being with kids over 20 years, um, I've observed some things. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about some people that I've observed, people that I love, people that came through the school that I teach at, and sort of what their relationships looked like over time. And I chose only people that are about Ryan's age, okay? So they're currently now 28, 29, 30 years old, so that we could see what happened after 10, 11, 12 years after high school, okay? So, um, and I changed their names to protect them, you know, from any embarrassment that this might cause. Um, so the first girl, I'm going to call her Grace. And what I want you to do is think about, does this, does this sound familiar? Does this sound like you? Um, does anybody like this? Um, Grace didn't date anybody in high school. Um, she was everybody's friend. She's one of the coolest and funniest and most, most down-to-earth girls you ever meet. To this day, she's still one of my favorite students who has ever gone through Wesleyan, and I, I don't mind saying that. I always have to say one of, but I just loved hanging out with this girl, and so did everybody else. She never dated a soul. Then after college, or after high school, a little bit later, she met a guy, fell in love, married him, all worked out fine. And what I want to tell you is, I know a lot of people like Grace, both guys and girls, who didn't date at all in high school, didn't date at all in middle school. And it wasn't because they, they weren't cool, it wasn't for any other reason than they just didn't. Um, and ended up married. Yeah, I know a lot of people that are like that. Second guy, I'm going to call him Nick. Nick dated a few girls in high school, um, but ended up with the, the, just the catch. Okay, there was this girl, she was beautiful, she was fun, and this was the kicker, she loved video games. And the guys were like, man, you got it. Okay, but ultimately, at some point in high school, he decided it wasn't right, and so he broke up with her. Um, let me tell you how this story has played out. She is now married and is, this is not a joke, a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. And he is single. <laughs> now, you might think he lives a life just racked with regret, right? <laughs> um, no, actually, here's the deal. This is an example of something that I see all the time. People date in high school. It ends amicably, they're still friends, and guess what? Everybody's okay. That actually happens a lot. What I don't want you to think is that everybody who ever tries to date in high school, it just ends in disaster. Sometimes you break up and it's okay. All right, so that's second number, even if she was a swimsuit model. Um, Caroline, she was beloved by many in high school. She had a ton of spunk and intelligent competitive spirit, but she invested her time in high school in her three best friends. And those three best friends are still her three best friends a decade later. They're inseparable even though they're now almost 30 years old. She's single, but she's spending more of her time focused on her career in law right now. She's doing great. She's not married, okay? Um, Mark. Mark was convinced that he had found the one in high school to the point of near obsession. When the relationship fell apart, and here's how it actually happened. This was, oh, this is tough to watch. The girl and the guy were right in front. So here's Mark, here's this girl, and I watch her break up with him from my office, like right outside the door, and I'm like, oh no. And she breaks up with him, and she turns, and she walks out, and I see him like curl 
and just, he just broken, right? And then I'm like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. She's like going, and he, and he takes off running after her, okay? Like, I'm going to chase her down, and I'm going to get her back. And she turns, and she's like, don't you dare come after me. And he stopped, and no joke, fell on the floor in the hallway of the school, and just bawling. And as I, I don't want to laugh at him, but I was like, oh my gosh, I go over to him and I'm like kind of hugging him and picking him up and like tears are falling on the floor and he's like, my life is over. Okay, that, that was the actual phrase, my life is over. Okay, the reason why I can laugh about it a little bit now is because a few years ago he married a different girl who he absolutely adores. But what I want you to hear is that sometimes high school relationships end in utter heartbreak. And I really, I, I'm kind of poking fun at him, but what I would say is this, it's real heartbreak. Sometimes that happens, but a lot of times people bounce back later too, okay? Um, Rob, he's one of the coolest guys you will ever meet, truly, one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet. Listen to this. Attractive, smart, athletic, driven, kind. He was homecoming king in high school. He was an award-winning entrepreneur in college. He was only a knee injury away from becoming a Navy SEAL. He's about as good as it gets. Right now, however, he's not married because he's in ministry to young people like you, and he is living his best life now and he might get married at some point, but he's okay with where he is at this particular moment because he's doing good work. And then I gotta be honest, I actually know probably 10 to 15 couples that are high school sweethearts, stayed dating in college, and are now married, and a number of them have kids. That happens too. And one last guy, I told you I'd protect their names in order to make sure you don't know who I'm talking about, so I'm calling to call this guy Brian Tatherly. Um, <laughs> By his own admission, this guy was a total mess when it came to relationships in high school, pretty clueless, and um, he often viewed relationships with unhealthy idolatry, and he was the guy who, right, you told me this could happen, he told me on the phone, but I remember it. (laughs) If he was interested, he was probably going to smother the girl, right, because he was so interested and he was so, he just wanted to come and tell them how great they were, and, okay, and was a guy who I, w- I would say in high school was about as kind of clueless as they come, but this guy found some really good friends, and he also found a really deep relationship with Jesus, and as I sat in my house the past couple weeks and I listened to his wisdom about relationships and dating, I thought, my goodness, if Brian Tatherly can do it, just about anybody can. And, um, and so here's, here's what I learned, and, and I want you guys to hear this because I want you to kind of grasp, them. I'm telling all these stories because here's what I want you to realize. And I, ho- I hope this is a blessing to you to hear these words from somebody who's watched relationships carry out over time. Um, I've seen d- students in middle school and high school who have zero dates become the absolute hottest commodity ever in college. I've seen people who in high school like, they're, they're, the girls are after them, the guys are after them, they're the coolest person in high school, completely lose their confidence later in life. Okay, I have seen um, students who date no one until they meet their future husband or wife, and then that's it, and boom, that's it. I've seen people date all the time and end up single. I've seen people who handle dating exactly the way that you're supposed to and still get heartbroken. I've seen people who do things kind of all the wrong way, and it still seems to work out. Here's why I want to share all these things with you, and I want you to hear like what kind of happens if you look at this stuff over 20 years, is that there's not a whole lot that I can say that's a sure thing. So here's some sure things about relationships, um, and I just picked out four of them. I'll try to go kind of quickly. Um, first, your middle school and your high school situation is not your destiny. 
okay? Your middle school and your high school situation is not your destiny. Whatever's going on right now with you when it comes to relationships, and I want you guys to not just think about dating relationships here. I want you to think about friendships. I want you to think about connections with people in all kind of areas. Whatever's happening right now, that's not how it's going to be forever. It's not your destiny. That's important. Secondly, there's no formula and there's no guarantees. If anybody stands up here and says to you, like, here is the way to be successful in dating. Here is the way to have your life always look good. Here's the way for every single one of your relationships to work out. Don't listen to them. Okay, life is a lot less, this is cliche, but life is a lot less about, like, the relationship status that you're in. It's a lot less about what happens to you, okay, and it's a lot more about how you respond to it, okay? There is no formula that says it's going to all work out for you. Third thing I'll say is this, doing things Jesus' way is rarely easy. That does not mean that if you follow Jesus the way that he says to, that everything is just going to be perfect and easy and comfortable all the time, because the way of Jesus is hard and it's challenging. And then here's number four, which is where I'm going to kind of dwell for the, for the day. Lives and relationships. Okay, so let's not, it's not only about relationships here. It's about all relationships, about our whole lives. I want you to hear this. There are a lot less about happy endings, and there are a lot more about faithful middles. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Life and relationships are a lot less about happy endings, and there are a lot more about faithful middles. We are always living in the middle of the story. So I want you to hear this. When it comes to every single aspect of your life, school, work, relationships, family, all of it, your story is right in the middle. And the, the culture would try to make you believe that like wedding day is the happy ending of the movie, right? No, that is dead in the center of the story. The relationship is just beginning. Or like, oh, they finally kiss and that's the happy ending and they live happily ever after. No, there's not a happily ever after in life. You're always in the middle of the story. And so I want you guys to always know, as middle schoolers, high schoolers, as a 40-year-old, I'm right in the middle of the story when it comes to all of my relationships. And we're always in that middle ground. And keeping that in mind, there's two passages of scripture I want you guys to see that I think grasp what our calling is as we live life in the middle, as we live relationships in the middle. It's not an ending, it's, it's a journey that we're on. And here's the verses. First is Hebrews 12, I think I can put it up here. And it says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The idea of this is giving you an image of life where it is a race that has been marked out for you, that God has laid out a journey for you, a story for you, and at the end of that journey is Jesus. And our job is to run this race with perseverance. Not some race you pick out, but the race that God has marked out for you, and to fix your eyes on Jesus and to go. That's what life is. Okay, there's another one, Philippians um, chapter 3, that says something similar. It says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Um, I hope you're getting the momentum of these. We're straining towards a prize. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're running with perseverance, a race marked out for us. Okay, we are going somewhere. We are in the middle of the story. It started back here somewhere, wherever that is. It's going there, and the prize is Jesus. The prize is eternity. The prize is a relationship with the person who can give you more joy and satisfaction than anyone else in the world. And our job is to run this race and to never stop running. The question is a question of faithfulness. Are we going to keep moving? And are we going to stay on the path? Okay, because there's two really big mistakes we can make um, when it comes to this journey. One is that we can be tempted to get off the path and follow something else. 
We can fix our eyes on some other prize and I can start going that way or I can start going that way or I can start going that way when the prize is that way. That's one error. The second error is that I can sit down and stop moving. And both of those will keep me from getting to where I'm going. Now here's where I return a little bit back to relationships. I'm going to submit to you that I think that relationships, and again, I'm not just talking about dating ones. I'm talking about your good friends, talking about dating, talking about marriage one day, all of them. Relationships are both the thing that is most likely to take you off the path and the thing that is most likely to encourage you on your path. Your relationships are huge if we're living a journey going after Jesus. And the question is, what kind of relationships are we in? The kind that pull us away and distract us or the kind that encourage us on the path that we're supposed to be on? Okay, and so here's um, why I think this is such a big deal. Because relationships speak to our core desire for intimacy and to be known and to be loved. The reason why we're going after Jesus is because we want intimacy with Jesus. We want to be known and we're loved. The reason why it's so easy for a relationship to pull us off is because relationships also offer us the opportunity for intimacy and to be known and loved. Okay, but relationships are a little bit hard to talk about sometimes, and that desire is pretty up in the air. So I want to switch it to a little easier to understand desire, and that's a desire for food. Actually, you guys chose a great thing up here. Um, You did this little thing about eating food, and that helps. It kind of fits in with the conversation for today. So um, here's the deal. Ryan said this a little while ago, and I thought this was good. He said it in one of his messages. He said, if you're starving and somebody offers you food, you won't care what it is. What are you going to do? Eat it. If you're starving and somebody offers you food, you don't care if it's nutritious, you don't care if it's that good. If you're starving, you're just going to eat it. And what he was talking about is our tendency in relationships that if, if you're just so empty inside and you just need approval and you need to be loved and you so badly need stuff that a relationship, no matter if it's good or bad or healthy or unhealthy, you're just like, I'll just take it, right? It's a really good point that he made. Well, I want to make the opposite point as well. If you are so full, if you've eaten so much, if you've kind of drowned your hunger in a bunch of like unhealthy foods, then if somebody presents you some really good food, how are you going to feel about it? You're not going to want to eat it, okay? That's just as much a problem sometimes, is that we become so full of unhealthy things that we have no desire for the best things. Um, so I'm going to tell you a quick story about when I ended up in this position. I hope it'll kind of gra- help you grab what I'm talking about here. Um, my friends in high school and then continue to be my friends after high school are, are, um, are a bunch of idiots. I'll, I'll be honest. We're a bunch of idiots. And whenever we would, we made bets all the time. We made bets on sports all the time. And whenever you lost a bet, you didn't have to give money or anything like that. When you lost a bet, you had to eat some ridiculous thing. And so in 2005, I can remember the exact basketball game, um, me and a buddy were cheering for the Arizona Wildcats in the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament. Two other buddies were cheering for the Illinois Fighting Illini in the Elite Eight of the basketball tournament. And here's the bet we made. If your team lost, you had to take 10 peeps, okay, which you just saw them up there, those little gross, disgusting little animal Easter candies, and you had to dip them in this orange, like, sugar drink, and then you had to eat them, okay? So 10 of them, which is reasonable, okay? And it's, it's disgusting, but it's, like, not that big of a deal. That's not enough for us because we're, we're idiots. And so we said... In addition, during the whole course of the game, anytime the opposing team hits a three-pointer, you have to eat a peep, okay? Dip it in the orange thing and eat it, okay? So here's the game, just as quickly as I can possibly say. Arizona Wildcats, that's the team I'm cheering for, are winning by 15 points with about six or seven minutes left. They've hit about six threes. Illinois, losing by 15, they've hit about six threes, okay? And I'm sitting here and I'm like, this is perfect. Six peeps, very doable. 
but those guys are about to have to eat 16 peeps, right? Um, go look up the box score to the game. Here's what happens. Illinois goes bonkers from the three-point line, okay? In the last six minutes of the game and overtime, they hit 10 threes and came back and won it in overtime. So, it, no joke, they made 16 threes over the course of the game, and they won it in overtime. It's like one of the more epic comebacks. And so it was like this. They hit a three, and I'm like, no big deal, seventh peep. They hit another three, no big deal, eighth peep. Eat another one, no big deal, ninth peep. And I'm starting to get that feeling. Okay, tenth peep, eleventh, I'd eat 20 peeps in about 15 minutes, dipped in orange thing. I, I cannot explain to you the feeling of, um, it was 26 peeps total, all dipped in sugar that made them kind of this slimy thing. They just slid down. It was like a, it was like a sweet oyster kind of going down your throat, okay? Um, I ended up laying on the floor of my friend's house and not being able to move. I felt like for days. I think it was just like an hour. But what, what, um, what I felt in that moment is actually something that, I mean, how could this be spiritual at all? But what, what I felt in that moment was a feeling that we would call, I was satiated, okay? tell you what that word means. Satiated means satisfied to the point of disgust, satisfied to the point of boredom. I had eaten so much sugar that I could not even imagine eating anything that was good for me. I'd received no nutrients from it. I'd received nothing good. I still probably needed to eat some food, some actual legitimate food, not peeps, but you could not have forced me to eat one single tiny more bit of food because I was completely and utterly satiated. Okay, here's the point that I'm trying to get at. I think a lot of us walk around in life in one of two places because I think the world asks us to be there. We're either starving. We're starving for love. We're starving for relationships. We're starving for approval. We're starving for achievement. We're walking around and we're hoping that if I can just, uh, just give me anything. Give me a, give me a, a, gr- a date, give me a grade, give me a whatever, because I just, I feel so empty that I'll just go after anything in order to get full, okay? That's a scary place to be. But the other one is this. We have been so filled with the like innocent pleasures of this life that we don't have an appetite for Jesus anymore. The little non-nourishing things of this world have so filled our bellies that we can't even imagine what it's like to chase after Jesus. Um, I've got a quote here. Um, I think I've got the C.S. Lewis one here. Is it, is it up there? Um, it's, um, and it would say this, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. So what I want to say to you guys is this. I'm coming back to relationships here. I think there's two characteristics that we need to have in life, and I think they're super underrated, and I think they're really valuable for being the kind of people Jesus wants us to be and for being the kind of of relationship people that we're supposed to be. The first one is this. I think we have to be people with a certain level of contentment. Okay, we have to be people with a certain level of contentment. We can't be walking around empty expecting the world to fill us up. And contentment can only come through Jesus. Only. I'm going to use a verse here that um, I think is the most misused verse in all of Scripture. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? A lot of times people use this to say, I can score touchdowns because Jesus gives me strength. I can win games because Jesus gives me strength. I can get A's because Jesus gives me strength. You know what this is actually about? 
This is about contentment. This verse is actually saying, I can be content even if I get C's. I can be content even if I lose the game. I can be content whether I'm dating somebody or whether I'm single because Jesus gives me the strength to be content. The way to contentment, in my opinion, is through gratitude. Spend your days more focused on what you have and less focused on what you don't have. That's the kind of person who just might be ready for a relationship. Because I got news for you. If you're unhappy when you're single, it ain't gonna make you happy to be in a relationship. If you don't have contentment on your own, then finding somebody to join in is just gonna make you both discontent. I think that contentment is one of the underrated keys to life. Second thing is this. I think the second characteristic that you have to have in order to be in a relationship, in order to follow Jesus, is perseverance. Perseverance says, I'm not going to get so satisfied with the things of this world that I'm just going to stop moving. I'm not going to get so wrapped up in the comfort of life, in the pleasures of earthly living, that I stop moving towards Jesus. Perseverance says, what I'm going towards is much more valuable than what's around me right now, and so I am going to keep moving. I'll go ahead and tell you, the only way to become a person of perseverance is through challenging yourself. You can't stay comfortable and become a person of perseverance. There's one more quote that I'm going to put up here for perseverance. It's from a guy named John Piper, and it says this, The greatest adversary to love of God is not his enemies, but his gifts. And the most deadly appetites are not for the poison of evil, but for the simple pleasures of earth. For when these replace an appetite for God himself, the idolatry is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable. If our goal is to get to Jesus, one of the most dangerous things is that we would really fall in love with God's gifts on this earth. The good things that we have here would slow us down and keep us from running the race that we're meant to run. Now, what does all this do have to do with relationships? Okay, stop looking and start running. Here's my claim on what all this is about. What we are called to do is we are called to live faithfully in the middle of life. We are called to run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. We are called to be people who have enough contentment and enough satisfaction in our life that we're not chasing after every little new thing that comes our way, but we're keeping our eyes focused on Jesus because we're content with chasing after him. We are also the kind of people who persevere and keep moving. So here's the deal. Here's what your best relationships are gonna look like. You're running towards Jesus. You won't stop because you're a person of perseverance. You won't be distracted by all the other things that might get you because you're a person of contentment and you're running towards Jesus. And at some point, you look around you and you see who's running to the same prize, who's running at the same pace, who's running the same race that you're on. Those are the relationships that will change your life. Friendships, dating relationships, those are going to be the ones. It doesn't go, I chase after a relationship, and then I see if we can turn and go towards Jesus. It goes, I go towards Jesus, and then I see who's going with me. And those are the people that I join into relationships with. And what I've seen in life, watching people over time, is that that's where the best relationships come from. So stop looking and start running means don't spend your whole life looking for relationships. Spend your life running after Jesus, and the relationships will come alongside you and they'll be the best ones you could ever imagine. That's where I think they lie. Let me pray for you guys. <clears throat> um, Father, thank you so much for this time, for the opportunity to share. Thank you for these students, um, their listening ears. I pray that something good was in here. 
scripture, truth, wisdom, and that you have spoken through your spirit um, today. And most of all, I pray for all of our relationships. I need this as much as anybody, that I would not give up in my running towards you, that I would not become complacent, but that I would be a person of contentment and perseverance, and therefore a person who is running after you. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for Coach. Thank you, man. Um, I think that was tremendously helpful. A um, couple things that I just kind of picked up and just wanted to kind of ask you to expand on. Um, one, this Brian Tatherly sounds like a really cool guy. I wrote, yeah. but we can talk about that later. Yeah, he, um, he was. He was solid. <laughs> I thought so, too. Yeah. Um, okay. So, first, the th- one of the things that you said very early uh, in your talk was, your middle school and high school situation is not your destiny. And I think that's exactly right. I think that's also very that's easy for us to see, mm-hmm. you know, and now that we're out of that phase. But in that phase, it might be kind of difficult to, to see and understand. Can you just expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So the, the first thing I would say to you guys is don't let any adult like me come and act like what's going on in your life isn't real. Mm-hmm. Um, what's happening in your lives matters. Um, and the, the experiences that you're having and the choices that you're making are a big deal. And so what I'm not saying is, like, don't worry about it, okay? Just, just move on. It'll all be fine one day. I'm not saying that. What I'm actually saying is that there is so much opportunity for growth and so much opportunity for change and so much opportunity to be shaped more and more into the image of Jesus that who you are right now is a person in process, Okay, and if it makes you feel any better, I would say to myself, okay, who you are at 40 is not your destiny. Okay, we are constantly in the process of being shaped into the people that God wants us to be. And so I I just want you to be encouraged by that. Um, Sometimes it's a challenge for people who like, they're at the top of their game in high school. And it's like, hey, you got to remember, you might not always be at the top of your game, okay? Um, For some of us, it gets kind of downhill. But I want you to, to understand that like things change and that's a part of life. Um, and that's good for you guys to know, hopefully. Yeah, that's a good, that's good. Um, okay, number two. So towards the end of your talk, you talked about, you know, to find the best relationships, and I think you're right on the money, to find the best relationships is, is not to, to look around for others, but to run towards Jesus. And mm-hmm. as you're running towards him, as you're pursuing him and sacrificing for him, you start to kind of look around and you see others doing the same. Mm-hmm. And there's where the really good relationships are. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's say, let's say these students, that they enter into a relationship or a friendship with someone that maybe is not as far along in the race as they are. Because mm-hmm. um, it's a good idea yeah. and it's the right intention, but sometimes life just doesn't happen like that. So you're in a relationship with someone who's not as far along, or, or maybe you're not as far along as they are, or vice versa. What, what do we do now? H- yeah. How do you know when to cut the line? How do you know when to help them and grow them? I- is there a way to know that? Yeah. Um, and, and I would say, uh, this is kind of an analogy, and all analogies break down at some point, and so um, it's not one that you can take it like, oh man, okay, it's got to be like I'm literally running right next to this person. Um, what I would say is this, I hope you'll take the spirit of what that means. Um, that a person has the same prize as you means that they're seeking after Jesus. That a person is kind of running on the same path as you means they're, they're not, they haven't chosen a completely different path in life. Okay, and, and they might be way over there still going towards Jesus, but they're just doing something completely different. With the idea is that you look for people who their, their ultimate goal is the same, their highest values are the same, and also like what their life is about is similar. 
Um, but it do, it's not like, oh, it has to be the exact same, or you have to be in the exact same stage in your life or walk. You have to be exact same. I, that's not what I mean. I just mean that your, your core values, your core goals, your core um, everything is the same, mostly that both of you are fixing your eyes on Jesus, and both of you have the same prize in mind, because that's ultimately the thing that dictates where you're headed, is where your eyes are, and that's why I think that Hebrews 12 passage is so good. Are your eyes on the same thing? Are you going the same way? Because um, otherwise, you're going to pull at each other, um, and you're going to pull each other. Either somebody's going somebody's to win that battle, right, and somebody's going to end up off of their race, or turning away from their prize, um, and I think that's a, it's a dangerous place to be. You don't want to be there. I think that's good. And you remember, we talked about this, like, your, your goal is not to find, you know, you're not looking for a clone that's exactly in step with you, although right. if that happens, that's great, but it's kind of like, like what Coach is saying is about the same heart. Um, and remember, how can you tell if someone has the same heart as you? That will show itself over time in how they act, and you'll see where their hope is. Is their hope in you? You know, are they, are they smothering you? Are they, is, are they living and dying by you, or are they content in something else, right? Um, you'll be able to see that, you know, how, how do I go on one date with this person and know where they are spiritually? Well, you may not be able to tell that quickly, but over time, that fruit or lack of fruit will show itself, right? You, it'll reveal itself as to really how far along they are. Um, is that fair? Does that make sense? Um, all right, last one. A lot, a lot of students here, some of them in, in different, different parts of their race. Some haven't started, some, some further along than others. Maybe after this, this talk, they want to try to learn more about Jesus, get a little bit more serious about Jesus. What are one or two resources or places that you recommend that, the, that they would start that would be helpful? Yeah, um, well, you. Okay. <laughs> Come talk to this guy. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good place to start. Um, resources, gosh, like, it's like I want to recommend books, but I think that that can be a little bit tough. Um, oh, no, 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 no. I do that all, all the, time. the time. Do you guys read the books that he recommends? Of course they do, all the time, all the time, yeah. right, guys? Um, yeah, Morgan. Yeah. Morgan does. Um, <laughs> let, let me get back to it, because what, what I would say is, I, you know, I would point him to the Bible. That would be the first thing. I don't mean to be, be cliche, but I'd say read the book of John. Um, read a book written by um, Jesus' friend telling him what he's all about and learn about this guy. Um, I would say talk to people who, who know him, um, but then there's, there are, there's a lot of different books and resources out there, but um, ultimately what I, would, what I would say is this, the reason why I say all this about like chasing after Jesus is because I've found the ultimate satisfaction and joy in my life in chasing after Jesus, and, and what I've noticed is that even when everything else can be falling apart in life, if you've got that, um, life is still beautiful. It doesn't mean it's not hard. It doesn't mean it's not like difficult in a lot of times, but the reason why I go and talk about Jesus is because I want other people to have the joy and the hope um, and, the, and the future that I have, and so it's not something where I, I don't get anything out of it other than hoping that you guys will get to experience um, the beauty of a relationship with Christ and that eternal prize of being with him forever. Um, I just think it's an amazing thing that it says that in Hebrews 12, it says he endured the cross um, for the joy set before him. So he walked through the cross to get to joy, and the joy was eternity with you guys. I mean, how cool is that, is that he would endure the cross in order to have the joy of being with you forever. Um, and so that's worth exploring in my mind, um, and it's worth kind of chasing after to find out why would he do that for me um, is a pretty cool thing. So, yeah, yeah. Completely I didn't really agree. answer your question, but <laughs> ask me later for a book or something. Well, yeah. and so I was going to say, speaking of that, so uh, Mr. Listen will be around for five or ten minutes after if you guys want to just chat or, or want him to expand on anything else or, or have, have any other questions. Um, Coach, we'd like to pray for you, and then we'll, we'll get into some announcements, Brooke and Thomas, and then we'll, we'll go from there, okay? Um,